Okay, um, I've called this morning deep questions. That's maybe a wee bit pretentious because they're not really all that deep. Uh, I don't really do deep. I'm a primary principal. You know, I'm not one of these secondary people who actually has to work and think. Um, but just a couple of questions I want us to think about together this morning. In one sense, they're not deep. And in another sense, they are the deepest questions you could ask yourself. I'm going to be very brief this morning. I'm not very good at that, but I'm going to be brief this morning, I promise. I've been warned. But what I want us to do is to get warmed up with a couple of easier questions first. A couple of, now Paul's kind of stolen my thunder a wee bit, but I don't mind. Uh, a couple of easier questions, first of all. So what do teachers do all summer? So let's, that gets that one out of the way. That's already covered. Uh, in my case, I think I'll probably put on weight. Um, but uh, the other question that's probably in everybody's mind in Northern Ireland at the minute is, what's summer? <laughs> it, it, hasn't really, it hasn't really happened. Uh, Friday, we were up in Castle Rock for the last couple of weeks, and on Friday we got up and the sun was shining. It was absolutely glorious, and I thought, brilliant, it's the summer. And then, well, that was the summer. I, people keep saying there's going to be a heat wave in August, but probably the last week in August when the teachers are all back in school. <laughs> was that a cheer there? <laughs> okay. Um, the proper questions. Just two, two things I want us to think about very, very briefly, and I hope in a a very simple way this morning. What do I have to give to God? And what does he want to do with it? What do I have to give to God? And what does he want to do with it? Can you take a second and just have a wee look around the room? It always amazes me on Sunday mornings. We tend to sit reasonably near the front because I don't hear too well. And it always amazes me when you turn around and discover the place was empty a minute ago and all of a sudden there's a great big crowd of people. But just take a look around the room. Actually, look around, you know, actually, you know, twist your neck around a bit and just ask yourself, <clears throat> what do you see in this room? What do you see in this room that could be given to God and that he could do far more than we ever imagine with it? And then take another second and just look into your own heart. And ask yourself the same question. What have I got to give to God? And what does he want to do with it? What might God the Holy Spirit be saying to you about that this morning? Now let's go back to that first question again. What do teachers do all, what do teachers do all summer? Just to get that out of the way again. Because I, I know it makes people happy uh, to know that we're, we're not at school. But I'm pretty hopeless at maths. I have to make a confession there. I did teach in the classroom for quite a few years, um, but I never liked the maths side of things. Alan Grant's looking at me. I know he's a, a maths person, but I never really saw the point in it, to be honest. You know, The teachers, when I was in school, used to tell us that this will be really useful. You know, This will really help your career and help you make your way in the world. Hands up if you've ever used a slide rule since you left school. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it was for. <laughs> if I want to do maths, I use a calculator, let's be honest, or I Google it. But 
I want us to do a little bit of maths together this morning, very, very quickly. There is a point to it. It's not, I was going to say it's not like the maths we do in school, <laughs> but there is a point to it. I want you to try and bear with me for about three or four minutes, and hopefully it'll all fall into place. <clears throat> when I was teaching, well, I'm going to do now what I did when I was teaching in the classroom. I'm going to rely on the bright ones to get the answers right. So I'm just going to go for a couple of simple, we're going to kind of build a little mathematical statement very, very slowly. First one's easy. Come on, you're allowed to shout out. It's not like school. You don't have to put your hand up. You can shout out the answer. Stephen, is he right, boys and girls? <laughs> okay. So far, so good. That's a nice, easy start. Let's take it a little bit further. Okay, we've got our 9 plus 6 again, and we're putting a line under it and a 3 underneath. What does that mean? What are we doing with the, the 9 plus 6 there? Okay. So what does that give us? Yeah, okay. All right. Nearly there. A little bit further. If B equals 9, what does 5B equal? Okay. Good answer from that principle there. Brilliant. Good man. <laughs> okay. Another stage further then. If B equals 9, oh wow, you're on the ball this morning. I'm going to be even briefer than I thought it was going to be. Fantastic. So B, with a little 2 above it, B squared or B multiplied by itself. Okay. Now, are you ready? Ready for the big one? I know it's the AQE test in November. You know that test that the Department of Education believes doesn't exist? But you, as, as parents of, of P6 or P7 children, you know it does. Uh, so maybe this might help you this morning. Here's the, here's the big one. Now, I used to hate it when the teacher said to us in school, now, you're not going to get anything you haven't seen before, and there's nothing in this test that you can't do. You know, in that patronizing teacher voice. <laughs> um, but before we come to this, let's go back in our heads again. Just go back to those two questions. Because you're probably wondering what happened to those two questions. What do I have to give to God? And what does he want to do with it? We're going to explore that in this little mathematical statement. Okay. Can you work that one out? The answer's there. These clever people at the front row have probably got it sussed by now. Well, like I said, there's nothing in there you haven't seen before, and it's all going to make sense in just a wee minute. If you do have the answer, don't shout it out, because you're going to completely ruin what I'm going to say. <laughs> but does it make any sense to anybody? Can you see anything that makes... Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to read a, a short passage together. And I think when we read the passage together, it will make a lot of sense. And if it doesn't, well, then I can't help you. <laughs> You're not welcome in Kings Park. <laughs> okay, let's just read together from John chapter 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. <coughs> 
Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? It's fallen into place now, hasn't it, Kenny? (laughs) Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. I'm assuming the women and children sat down too. (laughs) Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets. So it makes a bit more sense now, doesn't it? So just to go through it very, very quickly before we come back to our two questions again. <coughs> the 5L is the five loaves. The 2F are the two fishes. It's divided among 5,000. And actually, that was just the men. For some reason, the women didn't get counted there. And that makes the miracle even bigger because there were more than 5,000 people. And what made the difference was it was multiplied by Jesus. It was taken, blessed by Jesus, and made into something incredibly far beyond what anybody could expect. Everybody got one square meal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. One meal squared. Everybody got one square meal, and the remainder was 12 baskets. Um, I did hear somebody a long time ago speaking on this passage, and they suggested that there was one basket for each of the disciples as a way of, you know, showing them very clearly what their master could do. All right, so it all falls into place. So let's go back to the passage again quickly. And here's where we go back to the questions. Because we want to ask ourselves, where did the loaves and fishes come from? Or rather, who did the loaves and fishes come from? A young boy. Don't know anything about him. Don't know his name. Don't know where he lived. Don't know about his family. We don't know why he was there. We don't know whether he was with his parents or whether he'd come on his own or with his friends. I like to imagine that he'd set off that morning, maybe with his friends, to go and hear this man Jesus speak. He'd heard about him, people were talking in his village, and he decided to go to hear Jesus speak. And maybe he was setting off with his friends, and maybe you can put yourself in this position. His mother made him take a packed lunch. Everybody else was taking money to go to McDonald's or McLevi's or something, whatever it was, but he was made to take his little packed lunch and his tuna sandwiches, And he was probably, oh, mom, but something happened. Something incredible happened. We don't know the mechanics of it, and it's probably wrong to guess, but somehow this little boy found himself bringing his loaves and his fishes up, giving it to one of Jesus' disciples who passed it on to the Lord, who blessed it and broke it and shared it out. Something incredible happened. And looking at the two characters who made that miracle happen, because it took two characters, it took two people to make that miracle happen. There was the little boy who was willing to give all he had. I don't know whether he wanted to give his lunch, whether he felt, I'd better give this, I'll keep some myself, whatever. But he gave what he had to Jesus. A packed lunch, a tuna sandwich, or a life. 
And the Lord Jesus took it and blessed it and used it to do more than anyone there could ever have imagined. So back to our questions again. What do I have to give to God? And what does he want to do with it? What do we have? We have our personalities, we have the way God has made us and shaped us. We have our abilities, the things that we're good at, the things that we're passionate about. We have our jobs, we have our relationships, our families. We have our willingness, perhaps, to give an example, and Malcolm doesn't mind, I've really asked him, our willingness to, to take our whole family to Portugal for seven weeks, not to be in the sun, but to work for God. I'm sure you did get a bit of time in the sun as well. You look as if you have, but yeah, just, yeah, that's all right. But, you know, Malcolm and Melena and the girls gave that to God, and I'm sure we'll be hearing about many, many miracles that happened because of their willingness to give that to the Lord Jesus. Ask Malcolm afterwards. I want to finish with a little picture. I don't know if you can see that very clearly. <clears throat> but it's something that really touched me a few months ago now. I think it was just after Christmas. Our little granddaughter, Eva, goes to Rockets. And they made these little hankies a few months ago. And Eva brought hers out and showed it to me. And when I read it, I could feel myself filling up. And if you can't read it, it says this, God can do more than I imagine. And he's chosen me to do it with him. God can do more than I imagine, and he has chosen me to do it with him. I think it's based on a verse in Ephesians. But it's definitely not a hanky to blow your nose on. It reminds me of the amazing church that we're part of that leads our children on real spiritual journeys and gives value to their faith. And it reminds me of the amazing God we serve who wants what an eight-year-old has to give, who wants what you and I have to give. And he wants to do more than we can ever imagine. And he wants to do it through us. Thanks for listening. Great stuff. Well done. Thank you. Folks, uh, I've been reading some stuff recently just about the gathered church and scattered servants. It's a phrase that I'm going to use over the next few weeks. You're going to hear more about that as time goes on. But I love this. This is the gathered church. We gather together and it's so good. And we're going to uh, finish soon. We're going to have coffee and all this. But then we're going to scatter. And we'll not see each other until maybe next week. Some of you might see during the week. Some of you might see other people during the week. But otherwise, we'll probably see each other again next Sunday. And some of us will never see again until maybe heaven. But we go. God calls us draws us together to be his people to gather but then he sends us and he scatters us here there and everywhere and he's asking us he's inviting us give me what is in your hand what's that in your hand give me that the wee lad had his picnic with him he had his packed lunch with him and God used it it was amazing what an amazing miracle I think sometimes when we read those stories we're like oh it's the old five loaves and two fish we know that one it's almost a little bit twee. It really happened. It really happened. And it really happens today. It really happens tomorrow. And so we don't just have to be going to Dungannon and doing mission in Dungannon, which is brilliant. We don't need to just go to Portugal 
That's a tough old place to go, isn't it? Flipping heck. In no air condition. <laughs> I tell you what, I wouldn't go. Without air con, I wouldn't be there. Just a highlight, because I completely forgot last week as well, and I felt bad. Rick Gordon, some of you will know Rick, is leading an Exodus team to, um, to Poland with a number of folks there. Be praying for him. That's mission. It's wonderful. It's great. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm no doubt God's going to use those guys there. But God's sending us on mission today, tomorrow and Tuesday and so on, to wherever we go, to our homes and our families, to our workplaces. And it's in those places, in the simple things of doing a good job, of speaking truth, of honoring each other through our hands, through our lips, through our lives. That's what it's about. And then we're going to come each week. We're going to share our stories. And you're going to meet up with coffee during the week with other people. You're going to share what God's doing. That's what it's about. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And he's the king. We're going to worship him briefly some more and then we're done.